Thanks, Pastor Adele. Now, uh, Melissa sends her love, and she's looking forward to getting back on board. In the middle of this week, she'll be back on deck, and then she'll be here on Sunday. But I've heard that Adele's done amazing. Let's just give her a big round of applause. It's a big job. It is a big job running a church, and um, you've done really well, Adele. I was listening to her message, and it's like, gosh, this, this girl's got some, she, she's got something from God for us. Amen? Cool. Hey, uh, for you guys online, it's always a privilege to, uh, to be able to come into your home, and, um, and for the rest of our church here, it's, uh, it does not get old. It does not get tired being able to come in and deliver the Word of God, and uh, I love this series that we're in the middle of, Revival. Yeah. Revival. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I love the miracles. I love the goosebumps. I love the prophetic. I, I love all, all of these things, that, the healings. Just, I love all that stuff that happens in revival. And, and really what we're doing in this series is we are we are chasing revival. We are pursuing an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And our desire and our prayer here is that we see more of God and we see what the church in Acts or regularly that we see here in Perth in 2021. Amen. Um, now, I've been through a time of revival when I was young, when I was growing up at, um, I wonder if Lynn was there, I'm not sure. It was in the early 90s at uh, what's now Metro Church. And I remember, um, I just remember how amazing it was. It was people getting healed left, right, and center. This, the fire of God was there. The, the prophetic was crazy. Um, the big, you know those times where you see on like the Benny Hinn and it's like, you over there in the back row, someone's got a lymphoma and God's just delivering you right now, <laughs> you know, and these sorts of things. And, and, and I remember my mom used to have to wear glasses, like I have to wear glasses. And then the, the preacher's like, someone over there, God's just healing your eyes right now. And my mom just didn't have to wear glasses again. Like, you know, it just, and, and that was, it was a period of, it was an extended period of time. And I have to tell you, it was fun. It was fun. But God doesn't pour out his spirit on the church for fun. He doesn't do it. I mean, I'm sure he enjoys it. I'm sure he enjoys us enjoying it. But the primary reason is, is not that we have fun. And I think if we are hoping to partner with God in seeing this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this fresh outpouring, we, we need to sort of get on the same page that he's on. And as I was listening to Pastor Adele's message and, and just the, the, the importance of, of unity and prayer in seeing this move of God come to pass, and, and the, she, she mentioned the, uh, the encounter, the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church, well, when the church was born in Acts chapter 2, it says they were all in one place in one accord, and then it says that the Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit came on them like uh, tongues of fire, and in my little picture books, there was like, when I was a, a little boy in church, there was a little tongue of fire, you know, like a big Zippo lighter sort of coming off the top of the head. But some translations and some scholars sort of believe it wasn't as a little tiny flicker on top of the head. It was actually an, a flame that was the whole person. And so we don't really know. But we do know that it was a radical encounter that where the Holy Spirit manifests radically on the church at a point of single vision, unity, and, and being together. 
and physically in one location. And, and I, I want to go down that track and look at, okay, well, how, how, do, how, how are we going to see this happen in 2021 here in Perth's northern suburbs? And we would hope that it would extend from here. Now, really what we would need to see is that these guys weren't just in one location, in one mind with each other. They're also where God told them to be. And God was part of the unity. It wasn't just you and me. It was you and me and God, where God told them to be. So, because Jesus actually said, he said, we want you to wait in the city. And he's the most, in uh, Luke's gospel, the most fantastic language. It says, uh, until you're clothed with power from on high. And, uh, and, and so we're at this point where we're seeing that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit wasn't something that man generated. It was something that God ordained and man was able to participate in and was the beneficiary of. So, and, and this is, and as I'm contemplating and meditating on this, and this idea, I was thinking about the different times where the Holy Spirit has poured out on planet Earth. The, the greatest outpouring I, that I can think of perhaps greater than the account in Acts is the account in Genesis where the scripture says that the Holy Spirit was brooding over the earth. It says the earth was void and formless and it says the Holy Spirit was brooding over the earth. And then, then, then God starts to manifest. Let there be light. Let there be land. Let there be animals. And then day six, there's this cool conversation where God says to God, the Trinity was in play way before the cross, way before, way, way before uh, the Gospels. The God said to God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, having a conversation, let us make man in our image. They were there talking and cooperating. The Holy Spirit's brooding over the waters and, and, and Father and Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. And we're at this point where, you know, like imagine that. It's like, when we read the Gospels, it says that Jesus was praying, spent time in prayer, because he's talking to God the Father. You know that when God the Father talks to Jesus, God's praying, because God the Son, God's praying. They're praying, their conversation's prayer, Father to Son, prayer, Son to Holy Spirit, prayer. It's just, and they're in this, this amazing uh, level of unity where they're saying, let us make man in our image. Let us do something. Let us pour out an expression of ourselves on planet Earth. And then fast forward thousands of years and we, we, we get to the cross where, where Jesus lived his life the way that he had to live to, to pay for our sin. And then he, and then he, and then he says... To, then he says to, to the church, he says, I'm going to send the spirit, the same spirit that he was anointed with, the same spirit that he was working with. And, and then he sends the spirit and says that you guys are going to have this spirit. And then he died in our place. And then we move into the New Testament. The New Testament doesn't really start at chapter one of Matthew. The New, New, New Testament, because th that word testament is actually the word covenant. 
It's talking about a cutting. It's talking about a killing. The New Testament doesn't start till the cross. The cross is one side of the Old Testament, one side of the New Testament. So the, act, the covenant doesn't start until something was cut, until somebody was killed. And, and then we move into the New Testament and then we've got these amazing promises. Galatians chapter 2 says, says that it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. This life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then we, we talk about, we read these other promises and amazing, it says that, that you're hidden in Christ. The old is gone, the new is coming. This amazing, it's like we're, we're one with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ. And then, so what does that do? That actually puts you in the Godhead. Puts you in the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, you're hidden in Christ. Father, Son, Pat, it's Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Daniel, Holy Spirit. It's, it's all one. And then... This is how God wants to create. He says, let us make man. Then he says to you, you know when he talks to you, he says, let us. Let us do a thing. And then it requires us to do it because God wants to do that. Let us. So <laughs> I love the prophet Jeremiah, chapter one of Jeremiah. The, the God calls him, clearly calls him. He says, I've called you by name. And then Jeremiah's like, no, no, you've got the wrong guy. And God says to him, don't say, I'm too young. <laughs> what he's saying is, don't give me your excuses. I'm not interested. They are invalid at this point. Because the Godhead, the fullness of the God, the scripture says that the fullness of the Godhead bodily indwells us. If you're in Christ, you are part of the fullness of the Godhead. So when God's talking to you, he's saying, let us make you want to see some of the stuff that God did? Look around. Go look at a sunset. Go watch a baby. Watch a baby be born. Have a look at the at a molecular level of of, of, of just physical things of biology. It's just mind blowing. Look look at how intricate the planets are woven together and how critical every single aspect of the rotation of not just the Earth and the Sun but the other planets. They all matter. It's just so that this is stuff God's done. So when He says to you, let us. Your excuses are rubbish. They're just, they're just irrelevant. All he needs from us is okay. That, that's all he needs from us. So we're at this point where we want to be prayer. God saying to God, let us. God saying to you, let us. And we are in this place of cooperation, of this place of oneness and unity. And from that place, that's where that's where the miracles come. Yeah. I was challenged with the story of Samson in the book of Judges this week as I was just contemplating and, and, really, and really, what I, what, really what I see God's vision with revival is there's an offensive and there's a defensive. So let me just, I, I want to show you, the def, we'll start with the defense first because that's what I've got first in my notes. <laughs> so in Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about end times. He's saying wars are going to come, rumors of wars, earthquakes. He doesn't mention COVID, but you could slip it right in there. Same, it's all that type of stuff. It's going to happen. He says, but don't freak out. 
But then he talks about the persecution of the church and, and how the world's going to hate you because of me. He's going to hate you because of your opinions. He's going to hate you because you hold to the truth of the gospel rather than what the popular narrative is. And, and, and he says, they're even going to kill you for that. And we're seeing that all over the world where Christians are physically being martyred. Uh, fortunately, in Australia, we've not got there yet. But we are watching people being uh, cru socially crucified, financially crucified, uh, their lives being, because they stand for what the Bible says and they agree with what the Bible says over what is politically correct. And we're seeing it now and it's saying this is all part of what's going to happen. But then listen to this, uh, Matthew chapter 24 and we'll start at verse 12. It says, because of, the wicked, because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. This is the transitional, this is the defensive and the offensive. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. What does that mean? It says the end won't come until the gospel is preached to all nations. Back to verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will go cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So what it's saying here is the love of most. That word love is the Greek word agape. It's actually talking about the love of God. This is not talking about the world. This is not talking about unbelievers. This is talking about the love of believers. The God love in people will grow cold. It says, but the one who holds strong to the end will be saved. So when we're looking at revival, when we're looking at a move of God, part of what God's wanting to do, he's wanting to keep your love on fire. He's wanting to keep your love warm, your heart's warm. So you can stand strong to the end. It's important that you stay on fire. It's important. It matters. It matters that you stay on fire. In um, Revelation 2, there's this, um, one of the churches, I, I should have written the name down because it would have made me sound smarter, but <laughs> um, in Revelation chapter 2 and uh, verse 2, it says here, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you've had at first, the agape you had at first. That that's the same love that was talking about in Matthew's gospel, that Jesus was talking about in Matthew's gospel. Now this is Jesus in Revelation saying the same thing. He's talking about the same thing. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Your love has grown cold. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. There's a real urgency in the scripture that we keep this passionate love for God on fire. It's needed. Revival comes in part to stir, revive, revive. It's, it's not, a, it's not a, a new thing. It's a re, it's a, it's a, it's a renewal. It's, it's, it's the same thing again. The love you had at first again. It's talking about refiring. So the defensive aspect of revival is that us as a church stay on fire for God. Keep our passion. Keep our hunger. But, but even it's, it, it, and, and it can sound a little clinical, but it says, do the things you did at first. What's that? That's your disciplines. 
It matters. Being in church on a Sunday is not a negotiable. It matters. It's the things you did at first. Reading your Bible on a regular basis, knowing this book, it's not negotiable. It's the things you did at first. Witnessing, sharing about what God's doing in this God you've discovered is not negotiable. It's the things you did at first. That, that time in prayer that, that used to be so exciting and it, it, the, the things you did at first. These disciplines are not routine because it said here, I know your deeds, I know your hard work. What's your hard work? It's reading my Bible. It's being in church. It's like, ah, oh. they've got it, but they don't have it. You've got it, but you don't have it. And I think a lot of us are really like, man, I could put my name next to some. I've always read Revelation 2, and I'll stop before this uh, verse 4, you know, hold this against you. I'm like, I love, I know your deeds and your hard work and your perseverance. Yes, Jesus, I'm so happy you know how hard I'd be working because I'm tired and you see it. I know that you can tol not tolerate wicked people. No, Jesus, I can't. You've tested those that. Yes, I do stand up. And he's like, but he says, you guys, you got it, but you don't have it. You got it, but you don't have it. And what's happened is your love has grown cold. Your love has grown cold. And so one of the things that God, his vision. So what, this is when he's talking about revival in the church. What he wants is a refiring of hearts. He wants a re an internal, internal revival. He wants an internal revival. He wants you inside. Um, we've been on holiday. I'm on holiday still, so I'm not here. <laughs> Figment of your imagination. We've been on, like, so we've been through a, you know, all of us have been through a pretty crazy patch. Remember what, what it's like this, your hard work and your perseverance. We've had a hard work and perseverance season. And, and you know, life gets busy, family, work, challenges, and now we've got to chuck all the weirdness of COVID into it all and all of that stuff. And, and uh, Mel and I were like, we just need to get away. We need to farm the kids off and we just need some time. So thank you, Nana, up the back. She took the kids, yeah. <laughs> Praise God for mother-in-laws. Mother and, and, and Mel and I just got away. And we just spent some quality time together. And, and we just, it, it was a refiring, a rekindling. It was a, and it's important. It's important. We recognize it in things like our marriages. We recognize it in relationships like our kids and keeping our friendships. It's the same with God. And this revival that God's calling for starts with you, starts inside, because he cares about you. He doesn't want you to fall away. Uh, in in the, uh, 1 Timothy, it says that he doesn't wish that any should perish, but that all should come to a saving knowledge of him. He, he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He doesn't want anyone to, to back off and, and not follow him. So that's the part. The first part is, is because he cares about you. The first part of God's vision for revival is he cares about you. The second part is, is that he cares about the lost. He cares about the world. The first aspect is an internal revival. The second part is an external revival. What's that? That's where the manifestations of the Holy Spirit come. That's where we see the healings. That's where we see um, the prophetic speaking into dark situations. That's where we see... And don't get me wrong, this is the sort of stuff that helps refire us internally as well. It's never just one or the other. But the, the second part of it is, is that God 
sent the Holy Spirit and the manifestations and the power as a key that we can be witnesses for him. Let me show you. Um, uh, Matthew 28. Then the, uh, Matthew 28, 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Again, what's that? What's that, guys? One place. Where's that place where God said? One place where God said God's there as well. Amen. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And then just jump straight down to Acts 1 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's this calling that God's given us to witness, to be a witness. And a witness has to provide evidence. That, that's part of a, being a credible witness, is having evidence. Like if I could tell you all about this book, this amazing stuff, but I don't have any evidence, it's a bit of a mute point. It's like... But if we're actually able to provide evidence when we're sharing about this good news and we're actually be able to say, look, how good God's been to me. Or we can lay hands and heal somebody and God be good to them and then they're like, oh, wow, I personally experienced God's goodness. I was personally provided with evidence. So what we need to be careful of is that our desire for signs and wonders doesn't become like the Pharisees saying to Jesus, show us a sign. I would like to be a spectator to see the magic show for my next trick. That, like, and we've got to be careful as a church that we don't get in spectator mode where we come, because remember it is fun, but where we don't just come for the fun because there are people here, and this is where there are a lot of people that experienced the miracles of Christ that did not walk Jesus fed, well, there's one point where Jesus fed 5,000 families. 5,000 families. And then we read where Jesus was, he died, he was resurrected, and, and he spent a time ministering on earth. And then right before the ascension, right before he flew off to heaven, like genuinely flew off, like these people, 500 people saw him fly to heaven. A dead man resurrected, flying to heaven. They saw him, 500 people. He said, stay in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. He told them to be in one place. So he, 500 people saw. Do you know how many people were in the room when the Holy Spirit manifest in Acts chapter 2? 120. 5,000 families experienced and ate the miracle of Christ. 500 stuck around and watched him fly to heaven, heard him themselves with their own ears, heard him say, stay. Only 120 were there at the moment of encounter. As a church, God requires us to be a part of it. 
He doesn't want spectators. He wants participators. He wants people who are in it. Because if you're not in it, you don't stick around. You don't, you miss out. So I firmly believe that the revival we seek starts inside. But I do believe that a move of the Holy Spirit is coming where we will see the manifest power of God. Where we will see the miracles, the signs and wonders that are promised to those who believe. The scripture says these signs will follow those who believe. They will heal the sick. They will raise the dead. They will cast out devils. They will drink poison. Who wants to drink poison? But whatever, separate issue. And, and, it, and it's, it's this amazing, like, he says this is a standard part. Jesus actually said, if you don't see the signs, don't believe me. Paul said that I don't come with, uh, word, with words of knowledge and words of being smart. I come with power. We've got a requ- it's a requirement of the church to, to live in this place where the Holy Spirit is flowing, where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation. We need it. The church is lacking if we don't have it. And I believe it's lacking because we move to a place of spectac- spectators. We move to a place where we're happy to sit on, on a chair on a Sunday, and I'm not pointing the finger, and I'm not talking about our church so much, but the church in, as a whole over an extended period, we happy to let the preacher do the studying. We're happy to let the preacher do the praying. We're happy to let the preacher do the witnessing. And I come and I pay my tithe. And now he does it on my behalf. That, that's not the kingdom. That's not the kingdom. Do you know what the Bible actually says? That the job of the pastors, the job of the teacher, the job of the prophet, the job of the apostle is to equip the body for works of service, for acts of service. It's actually to fire up the church, to get the church activated. We get to Samson. Now this guy, he, for those that haven't heard the story of Samson, he was someone and, and, and God had his hand on him before he was born and he told his parents, this, this guy is something special. Holy Spirit's going to be on him and he's just going to have supernatural strength and he's going to be able to defeat armies. And, and this guy grew up and he defeated armies single-handedly. Like proper action, suit, like action hero, like superheroes type business. You think like you look at Thor and these Marvel movies. I've got little kids. We love Marvel. And like this stuff's real and it's happening. And there's historical accounts of people that are that powerful. And this guy was one of them. Except he was, he was just doing his own thing the whole time. He was chasing girls. He was uh, running around, like, looking at, like, just satisfying his own desires. Until eventually he gives it away. He gives his power away. And, and he, he, the power, was, his strength was tied to the length of his hair. And, and eventually he gets his hair cut. And he gets locked up. And the first thing that the enemy does is they pluck out his eyes. They take his vision. The second thing they do is they put him on a merry-go-round. They put him on a treadmill, on a rat. They, they tie him to a, a thing and he's just, you know, walks in a circle pushing grain, grinding grain. That's his job. Just gets. So first of all, they take his strength. They take his vision and then they get him stuck in a rut. They get him chasing his tail, get him stuck in routine. And he's fine as he's powerless. He's just powerless. And then from that place, some people that you could, that's your life. Got no vision. You used to have vision. You don't have vision. You used to look ahead and be excited about life, excited about what God had for you. It's not there anymore. You're stuck trying to pay the bills. 
trying to keep everybody else just trying to you don't even have time to stop and think about what where your life is going what you should be doing it's just not there and the only strength you've got is just enough to take that one step forward you're like these your hard work and your perseverance is all it's doing is and this was and then there's something amazing happened there was a time where samson was taken from that dungeon where he was and he was put the the enemy had a huge party and they took him as a showpiece of how great they were and he had the the person that was that took him out he said put me between the center pillars of this building and now for the first time in samson's life he got it for the first time in his life he was alive for something he was prepared to die for for the first time in his life he was committed he lost his eyes he lost his freedom he lost everything and that's what it took to get him to this place of single heart single mind intimate relationship with god and he says god just one more time and, and he was able to bring the whole building down and wiped out all the enemy leaders but he wiped out himself as well but god wants us to be in that place where the stuff doesn't matter the, the stuff doesn't matter not like samson chasing everything the world says is fun and good and satisfies my flesh and my, my ego and my it's just like god what are you doing what are we doing father son holy spirit jacob what are we doing jesus said put it like this he said uh, very truly in john 5 19 he says very truly i tell you the son can do nothing by himself he can only do what he sees his father doing because what the father does the son does also we're at this point where it's like god what are you doing what are you doing because i'm in like i'm in it's not like what are you doing and i'll tell you if i'm in or not Can you imagine this in the beginning the world was void and formless and god said let us make jesus is like nah we're not doing that oh no these people you know what they're gonna be like i'm the one that's gonna have to go and hang there i'm the one that's gonna no nah, no nah, i'm out that's not what god come on do you know that when god calls you to partner with him in a miracle exactly the same exactly the same He's saying, let us heal. Let us set free. Let us help that person break the addiction. Let us help that person's marriage get restored. Let us. He wants you to be a part of it. I believe that God's got some cool stuff for this church. It's cool because we get to be a part of what he's doing. It's not cool because we get to be spectators and score out of 10 like oh it was good but the way that he put his hand i think he pushed them when they fell down that's why they fell well my back was sort of starting to feel a little bit better already i don't think she really needed glasses in the first place did anybody actually see the doctor's report 
No, man, I've seen some crazy miracles and I hear people talking like that. I hear people talking like that. I've seen a doctor walk into a room with a scan, a brain scan of somebody I prayed for in the emergency department who had a stroke and his face was all drooped. And I prayed for him right there. His face lifted and he was talking like normal. I was there two days later when the doctor walked in the room and he had this brain scan from, that was done in the, uh, at the emergency department and the one that was done that morning. And he says, here is the scan we did when you got here. He showed the dots on his brain. Here's the one we took this morning. I can't explain it. There's no dots. There's no sign of damage. You're free to go. I was there in the room when that happened. And I've heard people say, well, maybe they got it wrong. Maybe they did. I saw the guy laid out in the hospital bed. I've been in a room where there's a baby that was blown up like a football, unrecognizable. Brain dead from, by all accounts. Had the mum crying. Had the doctor saying, there's no hope here. I didn't know this lady, friend of a friend. I've gone into the room, prayed for the baby, told the mum to stop crying. If she dies, we cry then. Now we pray. Now we stand in faith. I was in the room when the doctors come out. I was in the room when the doctor came out and said, I'm not sure what's going on, but we tried to give her a needle and she's knocking her hand away. It's impossible. I don't understand it. But the little girl has come and, and the mum shared testimony in our church. The very first service we had here, the very first series we ever had in our church. The little girl's running across the, across the front. This is the stuff, guys. This is the stuff. God wants you to be a part of it. I'm going to pray and I'm just going to... I want us as a church to commit to commit to getting back to that place that first love as I was preparing this meditating and praying and thinking I was thinking I know some people never even had that on fire period ever when they've come to God they sort of know that what's going on here is better than what I had and it's good and it's sort of just a I'm just going to pray that those people have a special touch from God next week uh, Pastor Melissa is going to share about baptism of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of God and, and we're going to see people get baptized in the Holy Spirit if you've not been and you haven't just come and be a part of that it's going to be so cool but I'm going to pray for our church Lord Fill us afresh, Lord. Help that fire, Lord God. We don't want to grow cold, Lord. We love you. God, as a church, we commit to doing those things we did at first, Lord. That first love. That first love. You know, when you watch, the, the scripture talks about, there's, there's, it says there's four things I don't get. Like There's... Um, Three things I don't get, uh, four things I don't get, three that, I'm, that are too hard for my brain. But the one thing he got was a young man with a maiden. And there's that exciting season, that first love. As he's writing it, he's remembering what it was like when he fell in love. He's remembering how excited he was to see his girl. 
He's remembering losing sleep because of the passion that was burning in his heart. Remembers spending hours just talking. Remembers the, the, that touch. Jesus is saying to the church, remember that first love. Remember that first love. Get back there with me. Lord, we want that. We do not let go. We do not let go of that first love, Father. And where we have, we repent, Lord God. We repent and we just admit to being tired. And we, we can see from this passage that you recognize that, Lord. And we need a refiring, Lord God. We need revival in our hearts, Dad. We need it, Lord. We need revival in our hearts. There's a scripture that says, as we draw close to God, God draws close to us. We take the first step. Lord, that you would work in our hearts so that you can work out of our hearts, Lord God. just want to pray as well for anyone here that's never made Jesus the Lord of their life. Nobody that's, if you've never put the weight of your trust on God, never asked him to forgive you of your sins, never decided to live for him, or maybe you have a long time ago and you know you're not there now and you just want to recommit. And if that's you, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, so we'd invite you to just slip your hand in the air just so I can see it. If you're online, just put, that's me in the comments. Uh, We're going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to invite everybody to join me in this prayer, even those that are following Christ at the moment. We want to join with you in prayer. So just repeat after me, church. Dear God, I choose to follow you. Forgive me for living life my own way. Take my life. Use it for your glory. Help me to know you. And help me to live the abundant life you promise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to have a chat with you. We've got some resources for you. If you're online, get in touch with us and we'll get some resources to you to help you on your journey. This is day one of the rest of your life. If anyone wants, we're going to spend a little bit of time in worship just now, but if anyone wants prayer, uh, come forward. I want to pray with you and I'd love to just, yeah, 